This is Authors Alcove, where writers learn from writers. Readers get the inside scoop, and everyone learns something. An episode comes out every Wednesday, where writers share their latest work. Every other Tuesday, where us writers get taught by such experts as editors, book cover artists, and marketing execs, and beyond. So grab a cup of coffee, and let's dive into our next book. Welcome to Authors Alcove. I am your host, Agnes Wolf. Today, I have nonfiction editor and proofreader, Sean Smith. Thank you so much for joining me, Sean. Thank you for having me. I was really excited when you asked if I fancied being a guest on your podcast. So you have your own editorial company. Can you share the name of it, how people can find you and who your ideal client is? So the name of my company is Sean Smith Editorial because that's my name and I called it Editorial because I started out doing mainly proofreading but now I do copy editing and uh, more kind of like developmental editing. It's all non-fiction, health and wellness, women authors. I'm based in the UK so most of my clients are British but I do work with some US authors as well. And do you mind sharing a little bit about your background and what caused you to join the writing world in this way? Yes. So since I was a teenager, I wanted to be a book editor. So I was going to go to university. I was going to work with one of the big five traditional publishing houses in the UK. But I graduated in 2008, which was mid-recession. So jobs, especially in that kind of market, were scarce anyway. And it's quite hard to get into traditional publishing. It's a very competitive market. So I didn't get in through that route. But my boyfriend, now husband, was working for an e-coms company who were writing a book about gemstones because that's they were a jewellery business. And they were looking for someone to proofread it. And he said, oh, my girlfriend can do that. So I did that for them. And then I carried on working at that company for about 15 years, always doing some kind of proofreading, editing, blog posts, newsletters. They published several more books over the years. And I was plodding along you know, quite nicely. But then last year, I realized that I didn't want to just do proofreading and copy editing from time to time. I wanted it to be my full time and my only job. So I had a word with my boss and I said this is what I want to move forward with now and I cut down my hours with them got some official proofreading qualifications under my belt because I had the 15 years experience prior but I thought it was important to reassure potential clients that I did know what I was doing and I launched in July 2022 so we're coming up to about a year and a half. And you said that you now do developmental editing as well? Well, I call it deve- developmental editing. I do manuscript appraisals, which is not quite as in-depth as developmental editing. So it's where you read through, I read through the whole manuscript and I give some feedback, but the feedback is all in a report. I don't really touch the manuscript itself, but we have a good, it's meant to be a two hour handover call, but often it creeps into like two and a half, three hours, um, where we really dig in deep into like the different aspects of the manuscript that need a bit of work before um, that author might move on to the next stage of editing. One of the things that I have found with talking to writers is that we're often confused at like the timing of when we should hire an editor. And uh, I think the most common thing, especially the first time that they have hired one, is they feel like they hired one too soon. What would you say would be the right timing for an indie author to hire someone and what should they look for in an editor? 
So I had this conversation with somebody last week who is currently writing their book. They're about halfway through. She's written about 40,000, 50,000 words. And we had a call because she said, I've seen your post saying about how we need to book in early because editors get books up quite quickly. But she said, but I'm writing it. So when am I meant to book in? So, you know, I've had this conversation recently. So if my next opening was March, you want that first draft to be done and dusted sort of like the end of January. You want a good two months between finishing that first draft and giving it to your editor for that first service, whether it's um, whether you're going for a manuscript appraisal followed by a line by line edit or whether your budget only allows you to do that line by line edit. And in those two months, you're taking a break, you're stepping back, you're letting any niggles about your book kind of foster, you know, you're, you're letting it settle in your mind for a bit you're working up the courage to let other people read it and it's that time away from your manuscript that is really important and then you're going to come back to your manuscript and you're going to adapt that feedback that you've got from other readers into your manuscript you're going to think about the things that have been bothering you about your manuscript that you're now feeling more confident to tackle Um, So, like you said, I think people rush into editing, but I would say a good two months from finishing that first draft to passing it on to a professional editor is is a right time frame. What are some things that they should look for for a first edit? It's really important to ask your editor what their service includes, because the thing about editing and proofreading is that we all follow the same sort of publishing timeline, but everybody calls their services something different. So if you have the biggest budget in the world, then ideally you're going to look for developmental or structural editing or substantive editing first. So that's three, we've already got three different names for kind of a similar service. And that's where the authors, the editor, sorry, is looking at the whole book and they're going to break down kind of like any issues with structure or the overall theme or the argument of the book. And obviously in my mind, I work with nonfiction. So a lot of what I have to say is to do with nonfiction. So you've got that first round, which is your developmental edit. And then you would move on to copy edit or a line by line edit. And then you would have it typeset, formatted, and then you would have it proofread. So when you are speaking to an editor for the first time, you want to find out which of those services they can provide or they're suggesting that you go for first. Because if you think that first edit and they're offering a developmental edit and you're expecting them to do things like change the grammar, sort out the spelling, and then they return the manuscript to you and they've mainly just jigged things around and they've not really touched on the spelling and grammar, you're going to end up feeling quite disappointed. But actually that's not what would be done at that stage. So I, my biggest tip be try to read up on what the different processes of publishing are and find out what your editor is can offer you and is going to offer you in that service. And that should all be discussed via email or, or in a discovery call. So you shouldn't be parting with any money or agreeing to anything to do the service until you understand exactly what they're going to do to your manuscript. What are some things that you should do to prepare the manuscript for editing? So I would do it in um, the best format to do it in is Microsoft Word, because that's the standard program that most people use for uh, editing it. It would be good to read up on what track changes are in Word, because that's what most um, copy editors and proofreaders and and developmental editors use. It just kind of gets you used to the language. 
I'm just looking at my other tips that I give somewhat. It's it's run out loud, out loud. Take your time to read through it, and that includes reading out loud. Because obviously, when you, when you do that, you slow down because you can't really race through when you're reading out loud. And that's when you're going to pick up things like I've already said that in chapter two, or I just thought I was going to put that in, and now it's not even in the book. So reading it out loud because that makes you go a lot slower than normal. Um, run a spell check. We obviously Grammarly can't replace a proofreader, but if the spell check is there, you may as well use it. If you're not sure on something, feel free to highlight that in the manuscripts and say, Grammarly said to change this. I don't understand this grammar rule. What do you think? And I also think being aware of things that you're particularly concerned by. If you don't understand that whole thing of using an active voice over a passive voice, raise that with your editor. Say to them, I think I've nailed this, but I'm not too sure. You know, or if you know that grammar isn't your forte, let your editor know, and then they're going to know to just keep an extra eye out for certain things that you're concerned about. Thank you very much for sharing that. Um, so what are some common mistakes that you find that authors tend to make when they're when they um that they could avoid before they send off to an editor i'm gonna really like bang this drum a lot but it is it's just it's just rushing because and i know like when you're on a project and you can see and you can you know your, your work counts up and up and up and you're in the flow of writing and you just you get that flow of being really excited about getting the book finished and getting it published but when you rush those final stages you can really miss some of the key points like I said, you know, slowing it down, really thinking about the things that you want to put in your book, the central argument, any themes. Um, and I just think that it's missing out that thinking time and that breathing space, and it can show in your final edit. I think it's really important to have those deadlines and to not procrastinate and to start those conversations early with an editor that you think you might like to work with. But the number of times that someone said to me, I'm finishing the book at the end of October, so I'm going to send it to you second week of November. And I just have to say, no, no, we're not up to that deadline. We need to slow that down. Maybe aim to send it to me, you know, a month after that. Uh, so I know that I've said this in one of the previous questions, but I just think it's really important. What are some reasons that authors tend to be hesitant to hire an editor? And what would you say to someone afraid that they will change their work too much? I think that final point is it. I think that it's that fine line between they want to improve their writing if needs be, and they want it to be the best version it can possibly be. But I think they're worried about losing their authorial voice in the process. And I think there's two important steps that can help you avoid that. I think one is understanding and honing your authorial voice. And I think that's done through things like writing regularly, which I know sounds really daft if you're doing a book, but I'm talking about writing blog posts, newsletters, just writing all the time and being really sure about what your voice sounds like and how you want it to come across on the page. And I think once you practice that and you're confident in that, then you're going to have the confidence to say to your editor, should it happen, that's not how I would say that, but I take your point and I'm going to rephrase it like this. And the second point 
is that you shouldn't work with an editor who hasn't done a sample edit for you. So I always offer to do a thousand words for free and it's for two reasons. It's so I can accurately work out how long I reckon the whole book will take me to edit and how much it's going to cost the author. But it's also so the author can have a good look at how I've edited something and be happy with the way I've edited it. Um, I've worked with editors before who've got to that part of the process with other editors didn't really like the way that it was it was done and have now moved on to try and find another editor and don't be afraid don't feel like just because you've started off a conversation and you've got as far as a sample edit that you have to go through with it if you're not sure then either speak to them about it and let them know I quite like a lighter touch or anything like that or if you're just not sure try and find another editor that you definitely gel with what are the essential elements of the author and editor relationship how do they communicate? How often do they communicate? And what sort of things need to be communicated? So um, it's similar to what I said in one of the previous questions and that I think it's really important that the author understands exactly what the editor will do within the scope of that project. So I always list it out in bullet point form. I'm going to look at this, this, this and this. I give the start date. I give the return date. I... I detail the dates for when payment is due. Um, so all of the kind of like really basic things are communicated quite comprehensively and very thoroughly to the author. Regarding communication, um, I always start any relationship with a potential client via a discovery call, which for me is a, a video call. I feel like just speaking to somebody one-on-one -on -one is one of the best ways just to gauge how well you think you're going to get on. Uh, I'm... I'm quite chatty, I'm quite bubbly, I talk quite quickly. Some people love that, some people don't like that, and that is fine. Um, but I think it's important to, I am very much myself in that discovery call because I think it's important at that stage if you know you're going to get on with somebody or not. And then throughout the process, I'm very open. I tend to speak to my clients either via WhatsApp, Instagram, or um, on email. Um, Instagram or WhatsApp I use for quick things like, I'm just working on this chapter. I'm not quite sure what you mean by this. So for quick things like that. Or email if I'm copy editing something and I've done a bit more of a rejig than I was anticipating. But I have a handover call at the end of every service that I provide. So for copy editing, it's about between an hour and two hours. And it gives me a chance to go through things like on this sentence here i don't quite understand your meaning we can just talk through it then and there and then i can update the report or i can update the manuscript as needed and it's the same for manuscript appraisals we have a handover call at, before i hand back the manuscript um partly also because i think if you've not worked with an editor before and you get that manuscript back and it's covered with all those red, red track changes, your first thought can be, wow, so my book's just a load of rubbish. And actually it's not, it's, it's often a few tweaks here and there. And I think if we can have that conversation beforehand and I can point out all the bits that I love about their book in a conversation, then hopefully they'll remember that before they open that file and see all those red track changes. How many rounds of editing do you think somebody should have before they publish their book? Oh, again, if only that budget was unlimited, that would be amazing. I would say as a bare minimum, every author should go through some kind of developmental edit, whether it's a manuscript appraisal or a full-on developmental edit, and a line-by-line -line copy edit. I would say that as the bare minimum. The absolute dream ideal would be a developmental edit that goes on for a good 
two or three months. A copy edit, and then it's formatted, and then a proofread by somebody else. That that would be ideal. But realistically, many self-publishing or indie authors just don't have the have the for that. So they normally pick two out of the three. I would say they normally go for. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that. You said that you have added a couple services because you used to just proofread. So now what do you work on? You said I actually do less proofreading and I'm moving more towards develop. I call it developmental editing, but I'm being really precious about the phrasing of that because I feel like developmental editing goes on for a good a good kind of couple of months and it's more like a writing coach relationship with authors and I'm not quite there yet so the two main services that my authors seem to go for is the manuscript appraisal and the copy editing and then proofreading I tend to do more for businesses and that kind of thing and you uh, you do you do non-fiction yeah okay how is that different than uh, fiction if you know oh I'll be honest, I don't I don't really know because I've honestly not even considered at any point doing fiction, which is strange because when I was that teenager thinking of being a book editor, I wanted to do children's fiction. That was the idea. But I think because, I guess because for 15 years, I've only worked on nonfiction and it was more business. And then I've had my own experiences with uh, mental health and wellness. So I was reading a lot of mental health and wellness books and I became mental health first aid trained so i think it kind of all just naturally progressed to this non-fiction health and wellness space that i've decided that um, i enjoy editing i've just not even considered fiction in any way at all i think maybe it's because i want to keep that as a purely leisure pleasure thing in my life i'm not sure i can get that do you have anything that you have recently worked on that is published now that you say hey you should check out this author yeah yeah i'm just thinking today i need to recommend them for christmas so one is by um, an author called rachel ann cullen and that was a really interesting project to work on because she has previously published three books through publishing houses and then her fourth book she self-published and that's the one she worked on with me um and it's called uh, dear tilly and it's all about she calls it a survival guide to a womanhood so it's not about being a mum it's all the lessons that she's learned from being a teen to being the 40 something year old woman that she is now and she just writes really wittily it's very funny but it's quite hard hitting in places as well because she talks a lot about uh, mental health body dysmorphia and all other sorts of things that she's um, had to battle her way through so that was a really interesting one and then the one before that is a book by an author called Tulsi Versani and her book was entitled Happiness Within and it was all about um, it's, it's, it's a very good title because it is literally all about um, how you can find your own happiness without relying on external validation or external sources and that an evidence-based book so she uses a lot of uh, white paper research but also practical tools in there and she talks a lot about mindfulness and it's part memoir so I liked the hybrid nature of that book that was a good one too. Awesome. Thank you very much. I'll have to put those in the show notes as well as your website. Um, do you mind just sharing again, just one more time where they can find you and who your ideal client is? Oh, yeah. So I'm a Sean Smith editorial and I'm on Instagram and Facebook as Sean.Smith.editorial. I'm on LinkedIn under the same. I'm just going to double check my LinkedIn, but uh, my website is Sean Smith editorial.co. UK and my 
LinkedIn is, yeah, um, sean-smith-editorial on LinkedIn. But I'm most active on Instagram and LinkedIn. And you awesome. asked about my ideal client, weren't you? Yes, my, your ideal client. <laughs> um, so it's women authors um, writing within the health and wellness space. Tends to be memoir, self-development, um, non-fiction, um, but women authors, health and wellness. Wonderful. All right. And I just want to thank you again for just being willing to take some time out of your schedule to just let me ask you these questions. But I do want to ask one more question. It's the question I ask everybody. What is one piece of advice you would give to a not yet published author? I'm going to do two. One is believe you can do it. Yes, somebody wants to read your book. Yes, you will write a whole book. And yes, you will get it published. And the second one is the one that I have come to throughout this podcast. Take your time writing it. Take reading it. Take your time before you get it sent off to be edited. Set a deadline, but make sure it is one with plenty of breathing space interwoven into it. Beautiful. Thank you very much. And again, thank you so much for taking time um, to answer my questions. I really appreciated having you on. And I always really appreciate having editors on because I'm not one. <laughs> so it's good to get your, it's good to get your guys' advice. Thank you again. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Agnes. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Authors Alcove. We will be back next week on Wednesday where we will have a writer share yet another piece of work. Also, every other Tuesday, we do learn from experts such as editors, marketing execs, book cover artists, illustrators, and more. If you are interested in being a guest on our show, feel free to go to authorsalcove.com, go to the podcast tab, and then click on Be a Guest. If you're looking for a healed heart, hop on over to our sister podcast, Strength, Love, and Healing with Authors Alcove. You can find that on Spotify and the Apple Podcast. Thank you so much for listening today. Have a great day.